Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure because I have Adam Tupork together with me. Hi, Adam. How are you? Greg, how are you? So great to be here. Thank you very much for your time. It's really an outstanding opportunity for me and for, for the audience of the CX Goalkeeper podcast to have you on this show. Therefore, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about CX and all, all of our great topics. What, it may, what you said, I think the game can start now. And we start <laughs> always with a short introduction. Adam, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. I am a uh, customer service keynote speaker, trainer, and uh, author. Uh, I am a third gen generation entrepreneur, so I grew up in and around small business. I tend to bring that lens to my experience work. Uh, I've worked with big companies, but I don't come from a big company background. Uh, so that, I think, informs a lot of how I approach CX and how I approach uh, the idea that we are all operating in the customer experience with limited resources, and that customer experience has to be delivered with that. And that's a very natural perspective for me, because as an entrepreneur, as a small business person, you are always facing limited resources. Yes, I think this is extremely important. And if you are speaking about resources, I would like to mention two things. The first one, it's your outstanding book, Be Your Customer Hero. I think this is a really a great source of insights uh, for everybody in the customer experience community. We will put the link in the show notes. And I told you I will ask about that Crack the Customer Code. We are speaking roughly about 500 episodes. This is a great success. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we are going to hit 500 episodes in our upcoming season. And it's been a, a really long run with Jeannie and, uh, you know, successful. And we truly enjoyed it. I mean, it's been just fantastic. I I know you know Jeannie as well, my partner Jeannie Walters, and we just have great chats. And uh, you know, we've really been able to explore a lot of different avenues of CX, which I'm sure you've had that experience too here with the CX Goalkeeper podcast. I mean, it's one of the great things about having a podcast is just getting to have these discussions and all these different perspectives. And then, of course, the book. I wrote the book in it's been a while now. It came out in 2015. And that came from my small business background, from my retail background. Uh, I wrote a book that was like, what will teach my people, my frontline people, 80, 85% of what they need to know to be great at customer service. And I couldn't find it, so I wrote it. Thank you very much. I think that's, that's really great. And now we would like to learn a bit more about you. Which values drive you in life? Values. That's an interesting question. Uh, I definitely say empathy. That's a big value. Uh, I, I truly believe in, I don't know if you've read Stephen Covey's uh, very famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, I think it was habit number five, which is first seek to, or seek first to understand, or first seek to understand. I might have that backwards. Uh, but I truly believe in that and trying to understand the other person's perspective, trying to understand where they have come from. Uh, and I believe in that in life as well as, of course, in customer experience and customer service. That is a, a crucial perspective. Uh, I also believe in contribution. I believe in trying to give back 
uh, in my own ways to the things I think that are important. And uh, that's why I say I'm a little hokey. Sorry. Uh, I believe in the you know core value is love. Like just trying to be more open to people and to, you know, giving love and receiving love. And I know that's a very vague word and it's going to mean different things to different people, but it, it is one of the values that drives me. Thank you very much. And we love heroes. And tonight we will also speak about be your team's hero, how to lead a world-class customer experience team. And therefore, let's really kick off the game. Um, I follow you. I listen to your keynote speech. And you, you're saying something. It's never too late to win with CX. However, what I am seeing in customer service, in customer experience, is that we are still facing a lot of disruption. Is still possible? Uh, yes. Uh, however, like in any keynote speech, uh, you know, sometimes you're making big, bold statements and there's a couple of bullet points underneath that are, uh, but in this case, but in this case, so let's talk about those. For the first thing I do whenever a client or anybody calls me, asks me about a CX or my services or what I do, first thing I ask is, what industry are you in? Uh, we don't talk, I, I feel that the people in the CX space don't talk enough about how different CX is in different industries, how that changes. The, there are fundamentals that are true across every industry, but how the industry very much changes how you're going to approach certain topics, how you are going to Uh, use CX as a competitive advantage or not. If you are a manufacturer and you are a monopoly, then you don't need CX to be your competitive advantage. You don't. You've, you've got the market. It's fine. Uh, it's why one of the reasons government uh, customer service has always sort of been legendarily bad because there is no competition. There is nowhere else to go. Um, so I, I start with that. So when we say it's never too late to win with CX, one depends on your industry. Uh, and there are other industries in which CX is, um, the gap is being narrowed, right? So if we look at product or service, um, those things are being narrowed. It's They're becoming homogenized, particularly in technology. Technology, you can only sustain an advantage for so long, the gap will eventually close. Uh, so what happens then? You have to find a way to use CX as your competitive advantage. You have to find a way that, When technology is your base, you are providing something else that differentiates you from the competitor. Um, preferably something the customer wants, but uh, if you are uh, you know, brilliant like Steve Jobs, maybe you can tell the customer what they want. That's a little more rare. It's better to do market research in general. Um, so I, I think you know, when you look at it, I, I would just close with this thought. I think in most industries in which we talk about, The great majority, particularly B2C industries, CX is still the most the primary source of competitive advantage, certainly over the long term. And it's never too late to win. You can be better, you can improve, and you can uh, catch up to the con depends. I mean, it's hard to, depending on how far back you are and how far ahead they are. But you uh, very oftentimes can, if not catch up to the competition, then close the gap. Thank you very much. And you said that it's never too late to win, but basically to win, you need to attack and to defend. And therefore, because we are on a soccer pitch, how do you define defense and attack in customer service? In customer service or experience? Because I, I can do both. It'd be a little different, I think. <laughs> 
I, I, the, the one that you like most. Well, say offense and defense. Well, I like them both. Uh, I'll, I'll do both. We'll do them quickly. So I'd say, you know, in customer service, particularly, um, you know, I would be, I would sort of consider defense and offense and defense is really uh, reactive service. Right. It's when we had it's, it's everything we teach when we train on reactive service. Uh, offense is proactive service because that is generally what separates uh, you from the competition even more than um, the reactive service. And that is, you know, truly all, looking at all the ways you can be proactive, all the ways you can get ahead of issues, check in with customers to anticipate issues or prevent them, uh, and just to also create experiences. Uh, at the experience level, I'd, I'd broaden it a little bit. I'd say, you know, the, the defensive idea is a little bit more making sure the bases are covered. You are meeting or exceeding expectations. Your uh, journey is hassle-free, right? Uh, you are consistent. Then offense is, okay, to me, I, I talk a lot about customer emotion, and I think what the research has shown in most recent years is that customer emotion is the single primary determinant of experience results. So when you look at emotion, I, that's where I think I start thinking about offense a little bit more. How do we create create experiences that create emotionally resonant, positive moments that are going to actually you know, stick with the customer and make them stick with you? Thank you very much. And thank you for being proactive and answering the question from a customer service <laughs> and a customer experience point of view. And what you're saying with emotion, think about the stadium around the view, how many emotions the fans are spreading uh, for their teams at the end, for the company sitting there. You not sitting, but playing there. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> you, you you mentioned something, hassle-free. And I think, how is it possible to prevent hassle for customer? What's your view on that? Well, it's very possible and it's very hard and it's more important than ever. So one of the things we have learned, you know, this was a trend before. I, I was talking uh, about hassle. You know, uh, the effortless experience came out. A lot of people started talking about effort and friction. Uh, I will say I talk about hassle. And one of the reasons I talk about hassle is because to me, hassle is the emotional response. The emotional response is more important. Friction and effort are what lead to somebody feeling hassled. So to me, effort and friction are more the mechanical things we need to do to create a hassle-free experience, just to sort of clarify our terms. Um, you know, it has become more important than ever since the pandemic. Right. It was already trending up. People did not want to be bothered. They want their easy button. They want their Netflix. Uh, they want their movie to start in five seconds. Uh, and now with the pandemic, even more so. Now, I don't even want to go to the store for my groceries. Bring my groceries to me. <laughs> right. Um, so when you look at that, one of the things you have to look at is what are the drivers? What are the things that drive hassle? Uh, there are a number of things. I'll, I'll just mention a couple of the big, uh, big rocks that we attack. One is technology. Te technology is the biggest tool we have now to reduce hassle, right? To create these experiences. I just want to press a button and my everything appears that I want in the world. Um, but there's a lot of old technology. There's a lot of technology that doesn't speak to itself within corporations. There's a lot of outdated um, technology that was built for differing expectations or for a differing world. 
Um, so technology is both one of the biggest uh, sources of hassle and one of the biggest uh, reducers of hassle. The next one, I always call these the OG of hassle, the policies and procedures. So, I mean, those have been around since the dawn of time. And I, I came up with a term many years ago called rule accretion. And that means that left alone, every organization tends to uh, you know, accrete or uh, accumulate more rules, right? We never get less. Uh, and the only way to get less is to actually focus on it and to go, do this policy, does this procedure still serve us? Is the reason we created it still valid? What is What does it mean in the context of the customer experience we have today and the customer experience we want our customers to have today? Uh, so policies and procedures are a huge source of hassle, both, and this is a, another layer to it, both in CX and in EX, because often the policies and procedures are a hassle for the employees or a hassle for your team, make it difficult to do their job, make it so they're going to disappoint a customer and have to uh, manage the feedback or blowback. And then the last thing I'd add, I'd say, um, you know, there's always CX design, of course, you know, making sure the shortest distance between two points <laughs> is a straight line. Um, but I'd say uh, training. And this is a little bit counterintuitive, but training is a, a lack of good training, good soft skills training for the parts of the journey that are human is a huge source of hassle. People who don't know where to find information, people who don't know how to manage a conversation, people who do not know how to handle a difficult conversation. Um, all of these things can be a, a huge source of hassle, right? We've all had that um, experience where somebody didn't uh, didn't know what to do or didn't know even where to send us <laughs> to get it done. Um, so you look at those, uh, there's a lot of other drivers of hassle, but those are really three big ones, tech, policies, procedures, and human training. Thank you very much. And I think you are touching an extremely important topic. You spoke about EX, employee experience, and, and this is, I think, extremely key. Uh, you are sharing also your view on uh, empowering employees. And I always make my really small example. Think about a player on the pitch trying to score a goal and he needs to go to the coach and ask, may I go in this direction and do this and that <laughs> before trying to score the goal instead of giving them the opportunity to score the goal. What's your view on that? <laughs> so I think we're talking about employee empowerment or uh, exactly. so so soccer player, football player in your case, uh, empowerment. Uh, that's a great, that's a great example, Greg, by the way. Uh, you know, that, that is the point. It, when you look at reducing hassle for the customer, let's start with that. I'll work back to the empowerment part. When you look at reducing hassle for the customer, the an immediate source of hassle is you cannot give them what they want at the moment they want it, right? So if I need to transfer you, that is by definition a bad experience. That may not be a horrible experience, but it's by definition an experience they did not want. It's an experience that is delayed. It is a form of hassle. Uh, so every time we create the conditions for our employees where they are going to end up transferring or having to get back to somebody or whatever it may be, uh, it's going to create hassle in both on both sides, right? And also, you know, I always call empower to me, empowerment is the win-win-win of customer experience. Because here the employees win, the customers win, and the company wins because everything I just described costs time and money. 
Every delay, every time you have to involve three more people to get something done, it involves time and time is money. So a few things we did. One is you just have to loosen the reins. A lack of empowerment comes from fear. Okay. I, I mean, that is it. It is, I am scared. What is going to happen if I give this power? And you know, that fear is actually justified. It's not an unfounded fear. We've all seen viral stories of, um, you know, the employee who got mad on their last day and tweeted on the franchise uh, or, you know, big companies on social media, right? I mean, there, there are risks to empowerment. And I think you'll probably find I'm, I, I'm the only one I've met, uh, one of the only CX people that I, we talk, we tend to talk empowerment or most people tend to talk empowerment in very sort of glowing, like, I don't know, metaphysical terms like, oh, just empower your employees. The world's going to be a wonderful place and everybody's going to be happy. I, I try to counsel people to look at it this way. Employee empowerment is a risk-reward analysis. It is that simple. That's not, it's not very uh, romantic, I guess, or whatever the word might be, <laughs> but it is a risk-reward analysis. So if, you have, if you're Walmart or Target, you're, this is an extreme example, you're not going to empower you know, your cashier to send wire transfers from the, um, from the company account. Okay, extreme example, but the point is there are always limits to empowerment. A lot of people talk like, oh, don't have any limits, let your employees do whatever. No. But you do want to evaluate what is the what empowerment do they need, both for their experience, as we talked about, and for the customer experience, and what is the risk of giving that? All right. So it truly is a risk-reward analysis. After that, there's you know, there's different ways to empower employees, you know, you can horizontally, vertically, all this type of stuff. The one thing I would counsel is to understand that if you do not have a culture of empowerment. Uh, and this is where that training comes in. One, you have to train them how to use it. You have to give them the skills so they're comfortable to use it. But if you don't have a culture of empowerment, you're going to want to make sure they understand that we are changing our culture. We are changing how we approach. We have we have locked you down like this, right? And now we're going to loosen the reins. And I found this out when I first empowered people in my small business. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Uh, you know, we sort of, I long story, but I basically sort of woke up and said, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. Let's empower people to give refunds for it's like $49. I'm wasting 10 people's time and taking off the customer. Um, you know, what I found was they didn't do it. We gave them the power and they didn't use it. Why? Because they had been locked down for so long. And if you look at the academic literature, there is actual, actually a difference between uh, actual empowerment and psychological empowerment. So you want to make sure if you're if you're coming from like, okay, I heard I heard the CX Goalkeeper podcast and I want to empower my people. Well, then remember, it's going to take some time and you've got to really make them feel safe and make them under understand that they can use the empowerment. You're not going to eat their lunch if they make a mistake. Thank you very much. What what you're saying, it, it totally makes sense. And I think we we need to give to employees the opportunity to to have to improvise to find solution for customers. But customer can be difficult. And I think also there you have a really nice methods, um, your three S process that uh, that you shared in the last uh, in in several uh, presentation. Could you please elaborate quick quotes on that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, in the book you see behind me, Be Your Customer's Hero, I actually have a different process. It's called Cater, C-A-T-E-R. And 
what I realized was a few things. Uh, one, you know, everybody like, you know, speakers and all, we all have to have our like little branded process and fine. Uh, and nobody's going to remember that when a customer is yelling at them, no one is going to remember control, acknowledge, right? It's just not rea- reality. We talked about human emotion. I talk a lot about psychology and sort of neuroscience. So I, I was looking for a process that really was something somebody could use. I I really believe nobody is ever able to use these little processes in the heat of the moment. Uh, So the three S is literally actually two things. Uh, So we start with step one, soothe the psyche. And psyche is a fancy word for mine. I just needed something to go with the S, right? Uh, And all that means is you have to resolve the emotion before you resolve the operational issue. Our problem, our challenges, and particularly if we've done service for a while, we've seen the problem. We jump right in. We don't even want to let them finish because we know we have a, a stack on the phone. we like, okay, I know what this is. I want to fix it. One, we're not always right, and that's always bad when we jump in and we're not right because we haven't heard all the details. Uh, two, if somebody's gone through, let's just make an example, you know, three different, four different people to get to you. Uh, two of those people were not very nice uh, and they still haven't gotten their issue resolved. Is resolving their issue the only problem now? No. (laughs) They're mad. They're upset. You've had a bad experience. So soothe the psyche is essentially solve for the emotion. You have to listen. You have to understand. You have to take the time. That's sometimes a balancing act when you have a full queue. But you have to take the time to make sure they're heard and that you're addressing the emotional component. Solve the screw-up. This is step two. Soothe the psyche, solve the screw-up. Solve the screw-up is what it sounds like. Fix the operational issue, whatever it is, in, in however you can. It's not always a screw-up, but for the customer, they think it's a screw-up. So solve the screw-up. And like I said, it's really a two-step process in the heat of the moment. It's really it's that simple. You need to remember to solve for the emotion before solving the operational issue or sort of doing them together. The third step is actually not for the heat of the moment. The third step is for after. It's what you and I would know as closing the loop. It's set up the success, right? That means understanding that, one, we may not have resolved all the emotions. We might have resolved them for the moment, but they're still lingering or whatever. Two, the operational issue, we may not have completely resolved it or, okay, we put in the ticket for the new product to ship, but did it ship? Did they get it? Are they happy with it? Was it broken? So set up the success means being proactive, as we talked about, and checking in and closing that loop and making sure uh, everything is resolved emotionally and operationally. Thank you very much. And I think what what you were saying shares a really a nice process, what we would expect from be- the best employees. And basically, okay. we know that we are in a phase where this, we have a resource issue. We don't find employees, I think, in the in the US, but also on our side in, in Europe. And basically, there are quite a lot of discussion about increased salaries of uh, customer service employees. Often they are the less paid because they are on the below on the bottom of the pyramid. And and what what's your view? Can we really solve these issues by increasing salaries? Oh, uh, I don't know that I have an answer for that because that really gets into specific market dynamics of every economic market uh, that, you know, um, I'll make some general comments. Um, 
which is this. I think one of the things we're going to see, and this is a problem in a different or a challenge in a different way, is you know these jobs are going to be less and less done by humans in the next five or ten years. Uh, they're going to be replaced. The jobs that are left will be higher skilled um, and probably will demand and deserve, uh, well, let's not use deserve because we could argue the jobs today deserve better pay, uh, but will demand better pay, will have a market value that draws better pay. Uh, and I think that's going to happen. Now, the challenge, of course, is there will just be less of these jobs. They will be more. Uh, there will more be more premium, right? That will be more sought after, and that will be very difficult because what will happen is uh, the robots <laughs> will solve the easy stuff, uh, and the humans will be there t- for the more challenging things and the more difficult things. So it will be truly like you know tier whatever we might call tier two or tier three level service, right? Um, that when we when we when we escalate nowadays, that department will still be there. And be more trained. Uh, you know, I think service is changing in a lot of ways, and I think there are ways. But I, this is, you know, this is not going to happen in call centers. This is not going to happen in certain contexts. But in other contexts, maybe retail or maybe entertainment, you know, there are ways to have service jobs that are fun and enriching and are more ex- where you're providing an experience. You know, think of some of not all the employees at Disney. Um, so I think there will hopefully be some more jobs in that sense because you know companies are retail companies, uh, brick and mortar companies are leaning into how do we create experiences um, in the real world that make people want to show up, that make them not want to just click a button. Uh, and what I think we found with the pandemic and the sort of opening up as the pandemic has um, shifted is that. Um, people who have craved that human interaction have still craved human experiences. The, the obituary for the death of retail was a little premature. Uh, not not for all of retail, but just for retail in general. Uh, so I think uh, hopefully that answered the question. Yes, I think it's it's uh, it's 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 your view, and I think that's that's what you are say, what you are saying totally makes sense. And basically, you're already speaking about robots and uh, possible uh, salaries changes in in future. And therefore, my question is: now we are in future. In ten years from now, we quickly close our eyes, and uh, what we're speaking in ten years from now about customer experience. Yeah, I. Th- I think the pace of change in artificial intelligence is incredible. Uh, what just what you and I have probably seen in the last five years, how good AI has gotten. Uh, it's a little scary if you watch the Terminator movies, but uh, it is incredible from a business perspective. And almost certainly with the move towards digital, digital transformation that was just accelerated by the pandemic incredibly. I mean, it just so I, I remember I can't remember which CEO, CEO it was, but one CEO said, "Yeah, we're doing our um, our eight. Uh, we're doing our. We're trying to do our five year plan in eighteen months now, right? I mean, it just it tr- truly accelerated everything. Um, and so I think that is just going to be fed by what's happening with big data and AI. And we are going to have a service economy that is you're going to be talking to avatars. You're going to be talking to 
uh, you know, hi, I'm Greg, your FedEx avatar or whatever. Um, and you know, that's gonna, that's gonna be the experience. And what's going to happen is, you know, we talked about human emotion and customer emotion. It's going to, you know, we talked about this as well. Technology, the gap always shortens, right? I mean, somebody will jump ahead, uh, they're going to catch up. You know, Tesla jumps ahead with electric cars. All the other car makers are starting to catch up. Uh, so what's going to happen is there's going to be no competitive advantage in the tech stack. Competitive advantage is going to be just as it is now in the human experience and what they can do to differentiate and make it more human and make it um, more emotionally resonant. And I think that one basic principle will be the same in 10 years as it is today. It'll just be in an environment that is completely different. Thank you very much. We are coming to an end of, of this game. We spoke about the past, about the future. And now the, in the last five minutes or three minutes of the game, the prolongation, uh, three questions for you. Uh, is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience because it helps you during your career or during your life? Uh, now, customer experience or service book or any book? The one that you think that help could help the audience the most. It's can it can can be a generic one. I'm going to recommend a book. It's very famous, so a lot of people may have read it. I'm going to recommend a book that has truly changed uh, my life in a lot of ways. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, that book, I think, the principles in that book are widely applicable to almost any context. Uh, so both a uh, person's personal life and their business life, and you can use it. You can use it as a leader. Uh, and as an employee and as just a human being existing in the world. So Atomic Habits by James Clear. Thank you very much. And uh, if somebody would like to contact you, what's the best way? The be I mean, I'm on the social channels, but the best way by far is uh, customersthatstick.com. That is home base. Um, so that is customersthatstick.com. Uh, and uh, everything is there. We've got a contact form and you can uh, reach out to me and I love to connect with new people. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn and all that stuff. Thank you very much. That will be, everything will be shared in the show notes. And the last question is Adam Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would like to leave to the audience. Um, it's going to be a little repetitive, I think, uh, with what we've already said, but I was just going to say that the organizations that can generate positive emotion through their experience, uh, that can do that consistently and certainly that can make memorable experiences, even if they're small, are the ones that are going to win now, in five years, and in 10 years. Thank you very much, Adam. It was really a great pleasure to have you on the Six Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you so much, Greg. It was a pleasure. I love chatting about all this stuff. And uh, thanks to everybody. Thank you. Customer that sticks, I think that it's something extremely relevant. If you find this discussion relevant for you, please feel free to contact Adam. Give us feedback because we live with feedback. It's always what we are preaching, giving and getting feedback to improve ourselves. Dear audience, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. Adam, please stay with me. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth, subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you!